Let's get right into it. So James chapter 1. I want to give you a, a quick little overview of the book of James. James is a dude, and a lot of people think that this dude was the half-brother of Jesus. Y'all didn't think Jesus had siblings. Yes, he did. God and Mary had a child, Jesus, but Mary was betrothed to Joseph. For those of you that don't know what betrothed means, like they were going to get married. They were basically engaged. And after Jesus was born, Mary got knocked up a couple more times. And, <laughs> yeah, um, this time, you know, with Joseph, less sketchy. Um, and they had this boy named James. And he's mentioned a couple times through Scripture, and a lot of people think that this James wrote the book of James, and this book of James is James basically greeting everyone and saying hi and basically telling them a bunch of things that they basically need to know, and I love this book so much. It's one of my favorites, and I thought that uh, a break, if we're going to do a break from teenager, we might as well do it in James, and I hope you really get something out of this message. So let me stop talking about random stuff, and let's get into this book, James chapter 1. We're going to jump a little bit, so... Bear with me and bear with my reading. I didn't get past like the seventh grade in reading. So here we go. Judy Bloom, that's where I stopped. Um, Starting in verse one. Greetings to the 12 tribes. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let's jump down to verse 12. Here we go. Sweet. Blessed, sorry, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say that he is tempted. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Then, we desire, when, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Almost there. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not only hear, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing himself, observing his natural face in a mirror, for he, observe him, he observes himself, oh my gosh, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he 
who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Oh, my gosh. Let's pray real quick. Father God, I pray that you would speak right now, Jesus. Whatever I'm going to say, I pray that it would be your words and the things that would stick would be the things that you want to stick, Jesus. I pray that things that would be said tonight will take root in our hearts and grow and we'd be able to, to take on any challenge that comes at us through your word, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, getting on with it. Has anybody in here ever, like, got a headache? Headache? Okay. Stomach ache? Common cold? You know, any type of disease or virus? Yeah? Okay, yeah. So everyone's hands should be raised, right? Yeah, you're chuckling. Yeah, that, like, duh, of course, you big dum-dum. Okay. Has anyone ever, like, been through a breakup? Yeah, a lot of us in here have. Okay, understandable. Now, I was, I was thinking about this, this subject of things that are inevitable, um, and it brought me to the subject of trials. Does anybody know what a trial is? Raise your hand if you know what a trial is. My guy with the red hair. What's a trial? A challenge. Okay. Yes, it's a challenge. My, my, my definition of a trial is anything that can challenge, uh, or, sorry, anything that can disrupt the convenience of your life. Does that, does that kind of sound accurate? Anything that can happen in life, thank you. If, you. if you agree with something or I'm writing something, you can say yeah. You can say true. You can say a hey, gang. Like you, you could, you know, like throw me something so that I'm not like talking to a brick wall. But a trial uh, can be described as anything that can, that can disrupt the convenience of your life, right? Anything that can get in the way of what you're trying to do, right? Okay. <laughs> Thanks. So James here is talking about trials. He's talking about anything that can, that can kind of cloud everything that we're seeing ourselves going into, something that stops us in our tracks and kind of uh, takes our eyes off of the Lord, right? Okay. Gang. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay. So what I want to talk to you guys about today, sorry, what I'm going to do, my sermon title Trial, oh, what am I going to do with this? Sorry. What am I going to do with this? And that is trial and how to deal with it. I forgot to give you that slide. That's my bad. Um, what am I going to do with this? The first thing you need to know about trial is that it is absolutely inevitable. It's going to happen. Like you guys said, when, when you raise your hand for the stomach aches or the headaches or the common cold, everybody's been sick in here. Anybody, everybody in here has dealt with some level of pain, right? Whether it was a breakup, all right, whether it was a breakup, whether it was you broke your arm, shout out my dude that broke his arm, sorry dude. It hurt, didn't it? Exactly. So everyone in here has dealt with a level of pain, right? Pain is inevitable, and you can equate pain to trials. It's the same thing. Trials are inevitable, and James says that right here. If you look in verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He didn't say if, like, you might, it could happen. No, he said when, because it is inevitable. 
when sin entered the world, trial came on with it. Any level of pain, disease, death, all the inevitable things that you're scared of came along with it. So just like, fact of the matter is, trial is inevitable. It's going to happen. Established? All right, cool. I just want you guys to get that because that's what I'm going to base my whole sermon off of. So if you don't get that, then yikes. So what I want to talk to you guys about, like I said, is trial and how to deal with it. It's inevitable. There's nothing we can do, okay? But there is a way to deal with trial. There is a way to, to, when trial comes our way, to turn it into something different. There is a way to, 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 to gain something from trial. Does that make sense? Trial doesn't have to be something that happens to us that just beats us down and kicks us while we're down. Trial can be something that strengthens us, that gives us a different perspective, that, that grows us in a sense, right? Okay, sweet. All right, lit. Let's do this. All right. So there's three things that I want to point out to you guys that help when you're in a trial. Three things that I suggest that you guys should most definitely utilize. Absolutely. The first thing being reminders. Have you guys, you guys are like, you have alarm clocks, right? Right, for like school and like other stuff that you have to do. No? You, all right, so someone, someone, someone is your alarm clock, right? All right, cool. And, other, and, and some others have like alerts on their phones and things like that, right? Okay, so these things are to remind us that we have stuff to do, yeah? I set a reminder on my phone. I got to go to school. I set a reminder on my phone. I need to read my Bible at night. That's, I have one. It's at midnight. If I stay up too late, I set an alarm for midnight. I set a note, and I say, read if you haven't. And it comes on every single night. So if it's past midnight and I'm laying in my bed watching like anime or something, I'm just like, I need to turn this off, konnichiwa, and read my Bible, you know. So we have reminders. Now, and I want you guys to understand this. In the midst of trials, we forget a lot of things because the only thing that we can see is that trial. The only thing that we can see is exactly right in front of us. I remember when I was in seventh grade, uh, my mom was uh, stricken with cancer. And for that period of my life, that's all I saw. I didn't really have a relationship with God then. But if I knew what I know now then, it would have made that trial so much easier. If I had reminders like this book right here, this is the greatest reminder you're ever going to get. This book is full of the, the best reminders you can ever receive and hear and read. Make sense? Let me, let me give you a couple examples. My favorite reminder... My favorite reminder is in Jeremiah 29, 11. This is what it says. The Israelites were taken into captivity in Babylon. Jeremiah the prophet was like, yo, this is a bummer, but check this out. He's a prophet, so like God speaks to him and then he speaks. Verse 11, listen to this. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's such a beautiful reminder. God has plans for us, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give us a hope, a future, to prosper us. If we call upon him, he'll answer. If we search for him, we will find him. 
This is such a beautiful reminder to me because when I'm in my own head and all I can see is this trial, it's nice to know that I can say, hey, God, what's good, man? This thing, you know what I'm saying? If I search for him in his word while I'm freaking out about this test that I'm going to take tomorrow, I will find him and he'll give me peace. This is a beautiful reminder. Let me give you a couple reminders in the passage that we were reading in James 1, one of them. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy. Okay, so there's a reminder that I can have joy in the midst of trials, yeah? It doesn't have to be such a bummer. I can find joy when things are going wrong around me, yeah? All right, cool. Another one, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If I lack, I ask, and God will give it to me. If, 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 if I'm broken inside and my heart is broken, I just broke up with this girl that I told I loved, and we've been dating for seven months, and it's like been the best seven months of my life, and it's like lit, and then she breaks up with me because she wants to focus on her education, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, how could you do me like this? If I say, God, I'm hurting here, please give me peace. If you ask, he will give it to you. Make sense? I guess it makes sense to Shane. I guess you guys don't really. I, 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 thought, I thought that was pretty relatable, but I mean, I guess it wasn't. That's a good reminder to have. If I'm lacking in something, if I'm lacking in joy, if I'm lacking in peace, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm lacking, if I ask of God, he will give it to me. That's a promise. It's not like a, I might, maybe. No, no, bro. Like, God's, like, ready to. He's like, yeah, dude. It says that he gives to all liberally. He's like, I, you need it, I got it, my guy. He's like the sketchy dude that, like, opens his coat and there's, like, things lining the jacket. He's like, what you need, bro? Hit my line, G. Like, God is willing to give you whatever you ask. He's ready to do it. You just have to ask. Another reminder. This one's my favorite. Verses 19 and 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That one hits me hard. Because, for one, I am very swift to speak. And that thing says slow to speak. I, I, I could buck back quick. You say, oh, you built like an upside-down pyramid. And I'm like but I wash my hair. I can smell it from here. Back up. You know what I'm saying? I'll buck back quick. I ain't got a problem with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Your pants are too short. Your feet are big. I'll hit you with it right quick. You know what I'm saying? I'm not scared to. My friends know it. I could do better. You know, I know it's okay. I'm thinking off the top of my head. I don't have a subject to like, you know, roast yet. You know what I'm saying? But the thing says, be slow to speak, slow to wrath, and swift to hear. That's such a good reminder because a lot of times we do the exact opposite and then drama happens, right? You know what I'm saying? Someone says something and you're like, boom, bam, kick you in the face of my words. And then like it just escalates into something that it didn't need to be. But this is a beautiful reminder that it doesn't have to be that way. So there's reminders all throughout this book. And there's one more reminder that I absolutely love. 
verses 23 and 24. But be doers of the word and not, only, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. That's crazy to me. Let me break it down for you. This reminder here, it says, if you hear the word of God, there's a chance that you could not do anything with it. And that's basically getting a good piece of information and then putting it behind your back and walking away that you, and you forgot it was there. Have any of you ever forgot your phone was in your hand? Yeah? And you, like, just check the time or, like, check your phone, but it's, like, dry, dry. Like, no one's trying to hit you up right now. So you just, like, look and then click, oh, and then you put it behind your back and then, like, you start walking and you're, like, where's my phone? It's not in my pocket. But it's in this hand. You're, like, oh, my gosh. You're, like, looking around. You, like, call your mom. Mom, I lost my phone. <laughs> you're, like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> but that's, that's the idea here. That's the idea. You had the thing. Sick, it's here. Now, what the heck, where the heck did that go? What kind of, you look yourself in the mirror, like, dang, I look good. You turn around, did I look good? It's that same idea. There's something that you can get from here, and then you turn around and you forget that you got it. You can be reminded of something crucial. You can be reminded that can, there can be joy found in trial. You can be reminded that God has beautiful plans for you give you a hope and a future. You can be reminded that if you search for God, you will find him if you search for him with all your heart. You can be reminded of all these things. And then once you like put the Bible down or put your phone down with the Bible app on it, or once you leave that conversation with that dude that loves Jesus and you love hanging out with him because every time you hang out with him, he has something awesome to say. Once you walk away, you're just like, all right, forgot all about that. Freak. Now I'm just like here in this sad place. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the idea. And it's such a bummer because we can get something good, but then that's it. It's gone. Dang. A, a reminder from God can go a long way if you make it or if you want it to. But if you don't and you just leave it there, what was it for? If you're just going to continue to go into that trial and it's just going to be a bummer. Make sense? Okay, so you got reminders, reminders, key in a trial. Another thing that's key in a trial and, rem and makes reminders worth it, things that, things that make you utilize reminders to its fullest potential is the thing I like to call wisdom. Anybody know what wisdom is? What's up, Miller? Being smart. Wisdom is, is smart. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Let me elaborate. Gavin, what's up? Okay, yeah, in, in, information, informing someone of something. All right, being smart. All right, cool. So this is, this is, first let me say this. Without wisdom, you won't know what to do with the reminder that you receive. Does that make sense? You could receive something, but without wisdom, you're going to let it go, and you're going to forget what it was, right? Okay, so we established that we need wisdom, right? That's the thing that we need. Cool. So let me tell you about what wisdom is. This is how I explain it. Wisdom is being street smart. Yeah, book smart. You, you read encyclopedias. 
stuff like that. And then you have street smarts, instincts. You know, you got the mind. I could go out in the street, turn $1 into $100. Yeah, I'm smart like that, street smarts. But that's basically what wisdom is. Wisdom is a divine moral intellect. And what I mean by that is it's a God-given attribute that makes you aware, whoosh, I just spit a lot. It's a, it's, it's a God-given attribute that makes you aware of everything that's going on around you. So you can know a bunch of stuff. You can know about this. You can know about that. You can know about a sickness. You can know about a pain. You can know about a breakup. Cool. But wisdom from God changes from you knowing about it to you being able to do something about it. Does that make sense? That's what wisdom is. It's a divine moral intellect. And the beautiful thing, now wisdom, it, 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 I mean, anybody in here want wisdom? Raise your hand if you want wisdom. It sounds like something cool, like you might want it. If you don't want it, you have to raise your hand. But if you want it, you know what I'm saying? The beautiful thing about wisdom is that it's free. Oh, that's my favorite word. I love the word free. And the beautiful thing about wisdom is that it's free. Bro, you're going to talk the whole time. I've been sitting watching you talk the whole time, bro. Come on now. You too, man. I'm very easily distracted. It's, 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 it's crazy that I haven't been distracted yet. This is just like, I want you to hear what God wants to speak to you. You ready, bro? Lit. Let me get back into this. All right. The beautiful thing about wisdom is that it's free. Okay? Look at verse 5 real quick. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I read that earlier, but I want to reiterate. You can ask of God and he'll give it to you. That word liberally, I got two definitions for you. One of them, in large and generous quantities. That means that God is ready to give it. Second one, in a way that involves broadening a person's general knowledge or experience. It's a lot of big words that I don't really know most of the meanings of. But basically, wisdom is a good thing to have. Like I said, it makes you aware of the things that are going on around you. It broadens your experience, like your frame of mind. You might know, you might not know about something, or you might not know something going into a certain situation or circumstance. But with God's wisdom, you're made aware of what to do in that circumstance. You know what I'm saying? And now this wisdom, thank you. And now this wisdom can take certain different forms. It can be in the form of a reminder, you reading the word. It could be in the form of a conversation, you talking to somebody. It could be in the form of you like thinking about where you're at. Like, hmm, this is going on. Let me think about it. And then you realize something. That's the wisdom of God coming upon you. And now that wisdom makes you do things that you weren't able to do before. You weren't able to think this way before. You weren't able to, to interact or react or act this way before. But the wisdom of God has come upon you, and now you can do things you weren't able to do before. Make sense? That's wisdom. And like it says right here, God gives wisdom like Kanye gives Yeezys. Now, I'm a big fan of Yeezy. I'm a big fan of Kanye. I have three pairs of Yeezys. And this dude is out here giving people Yeezys off his feet. Like, bro, hit my line. I want some. Like, what's good? Like, God gives wisdom like Oprah gives, like, those hand creams, like those lotions. 
You know what I'm saying? Like in those goodie bags under your seat. She's like, you get a lotion. You get a lotion. You get a lotion. Like everyone's getting lotions. That's how God is giving away wisdom. He's like, yo, what's good? You here? You finna get some wisdom today, boy. What's up? You know, if we ask him, he will give it to us in large and generous quantities so that he can broaden our knowledge. Uh, what, what did it say? Broaden our knowledge and experience. God is so ready to give us wisdom. Do you guys hear that? Am I, like, talking to myself? No? God is ready to give you wisdom. He's ready. If you're going through something right now, this message is for you. God is imparting wisdom right now. He's reminding you of something right now. This is your message. Make sense? All right. Let's go. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) The third thing that you absolutely need in a trial. My man got it already. Give it up for Mr. Acosta real quick. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The third thing you need in a trial, and this, in my opinion, is the most important thing, faith. Because without faith, the reminders mean nothing. We can't receive the wisdom of God without believing that he can give it to us. Does that make sense? Wisdom is a God-given thing. And if we don't ask him for it, and if we don't believe that he can give it to us, we're not going to get it. You know? Like, there's a lot of people that are street smart in the world. You have that friend that, like, gives good advice. Like, gives really good advice. Yeah, no? No one has that friend? Okay, cool, yeah. You're like, oh, dang, I'm going to go to this friend. But it's because that dude has been through a whole lot of stuff, so he knows how to navigate certain things, right? Okay, have you ever had a friend that's been through absolutely nothing, but he still gives really good advice? Sometimes I like to think I'm that friend, because I've been through basically nothing. I've never broken a bone. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. I've never, I've, I've, <laughs> I've never been dumped. <laughs> but, 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 but <laughs> there's, just, there's things that I haven't experienced yet. There's things that I have experienced yet. But whenever someone comes to me for advice, I'm able to give them good godly advice because I have faith that God will provide me the wisdom. And the same thing with myself going through certain trials. When I go through a trial, I have the faith that God will remind me of things that I need to know. And I have the faith that he will give me wisdom on what to do with these reminders and how to navigate through all of these things. Does that make sense? Okay. This is a quote from a guy named David Guzik. I'm going to, like, explain a little bit about what faith is, so hopefully you understand it better. This guy says, lack of faith and trust in God shows we lack foundation. (laughs) Kill me. Oh, my goodness. When I read that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because faith for a child of God is our foundation. 
Lack of faith to a child of God is like saying, no, nah, I'm good, God. I got this. Y'all ever seen Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yeah? All right. Remember when he's trying to teach his cousin how to fight? He's like, uh, back up. Back up. Just mind your business. That's all. Just mind your business. That mind your business right there, you're like telling God to mind his business. Whew, and I'm like, what the heck? Because my business is God's business because he's my father. So me telling him to mind his business is telling him to do what he was doing, which is trying to mind my business. You know what I'm saying? But faith, lack of faith is saying, God, you can't do this. It's basically saying, if you're driving a car, God, I got this. Back off. Sit in the back. I'm your Uber. When God's trying to take the wheel and do something. Does that make sense? Okay. I have two examples, and then I'm done. Y'all ready? Okay. Here we go. The first example is in Matthew 14, verse 26. Sorry, I just got a notification from Goat. Want to make me buy some shoes or something? Got to turn there real quick. Scroll. Cool. So a little context behind the story. Jesus tells his disciples to get on a boat and go into the sea. So they do that. And then Jesus comes through walking on water. It's lit. They get scared. It's a ghost. Oh, my gosh. It's Casper. Mm. And Jesus is like, nah, fool. It's your boy. And then Peter is like, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, call me to walk out on the water. And Jesus is like, all right, bro, bet. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you very much. All right, bro, bet. Slide through. So Peter hops out the boat. Looking at Jesus, and he starts walking on water. Like, oh, dang, that's sick. So, picking up in verse 30. So, this is where we're at right now. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Oh, my. Gosh, I would have been, I, I would have started crying if I were Peter. And it would have been okay because he was wet. So, like, the tears would have gotten lost in the water that he was soaked with already. So, that's okay. But he got out of this boat with such strong faith. He said, All right, Lord, you have the power to do this. So, I'm going to trust you in it. And he started to walk on the water with his eyes fixed on Jesus. As, as soon as he looked around, he lost faith. He saw that the wind was crazy and the, and the waves were crashing everywhere. Like, oh, snap, this is crazy. And he started to sink. And that to me is, 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 is such a, a strong picture of our faith a lot of the time. A lot of times we're killing it. It's good. Me and Jesus, Jesus and me, we lit. And as we start to walk and as things get more crazy around us, we start to lose sight of Jesus and put our eyes on all the things that are going on around us. 
And then we start to think, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I got to do this. I got to do something. Uh, 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 uh. And then we start to sink. And it's, 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 it, thank you. It's, it's so crazy to me that when Peter started to sink, Jesus was right there. He was like, nah, man, I got you, gang, gang. You know what I'm saying? And picked him up out of the water. That's such a beautiful, beautiful picture to me. Because even when we lose faith, God is still really willing to work. Another story. This is my last thing. Worship team, you guys can come back up. Okay. That's me. I'm on the worship team too. It was a little, little bit of humor for you guys that you didn't think was funny, but that's okay. It's fine. This is Mark chapter 9. Verse 23 and 24. There's this dude, and his son is, like, possessed. Like, he, like, gets thrown on the ground, and he's, like, convulsing, and, like, crazy things are happening. And it's such a bummer because this dad's, like, freaking out, and he brings him to Jesus' disciples, and Jesus' disciples can't do nothing about it. They're like, odd. I left my exorcism uh, bat at home. (laughs) I don't know why it had to be a bat. They probably didn't have a bat. But they're like, yo, Jesus, like, what can you do for this kid? And this is what, this is what Jesus says, verse 23. If you can believe, talking to the father of of the kid, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, and immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And oh my gosh, it's so crazy to me that this guy couldn't believe with all of his heart. But he said, God, even the parts of me that can't bring itself to believe in what you can do, you can make that believe also. He had that much trust in what Jesus wanted to do. This guy was desperate. He was crying out. God, I, I believe, I believe, I believe, but, but any part of me that doesn't believe, I want to give all my faith to you. I want to put it all in this basket. I want to believe in you wholly that you can do exactly what I think you can do, what I know you can do. And we see that his son was healed later on in the story. It's because of this man's faith. This is a trial that lasted for a while. This dude's son was possessed, like, I don't even want to think about it. It's nasty. But with his faith, even the faith that he couldn't even bring himself to believe, he took that and said, this part doesn't believe in you, but God, I'm coming your way anyways. And he went to Jesus with it. So tonight, I want to leave you guys with three things. First of all, you need to have faith in Jesus. To believe that he can do things that we can't do on our own. Once we have faith in Jesus, we need to ask him for his wisdom. To make us aware of what's going on around us and what to do about it. How to go about dealing with the trials and the circumstance and the tribulation that we deal in everyday life. And the third thing. When we are reminded about what God can do and what he wants to do, don't let that reminder go away. 
Don't forget that it's in your hand. It's right here. A lot of you are holding it in your hand right now. And it's funny because I talked about three things. Reminders, wisdom, and faith to, to go through trials. All those things are in this book. You can find faith in this book. The God that wrote this book. You can find wisdom in this book. And you can, you can find every single reminder that you need in this book. So the next time you're going through a trial, just open the book. For real. Honestly. Have faith that Jesus can do everything that he said he was going to do. And use that wisdom to navigate every single trial in your life. You guys have so much life to live. So much. And there's going to be countless trials as you navigate through life. High school, college, after that, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, after retirement. So many trials. You're going to deal with pain. You're going to deal with heartbreak. You're going to deal with death. You're going to deal with sickness. All of these things that are inevitable. But how to navigate in those trials is right here in this book. Remind yourself, receive wisdom, and place your faith in Jesus. Does that make sense? We're going to pray and then we're going to worship. Does that sound good to you guys?